1: It's finally... Holy shit, it's here. What's ready? Finally here. Maps Yellow, a.k.a. Maps Prime. Oh,
2: my God, finally.
1: It's coming to you by Friday. Friday, we're going to launch it. This is our most uh, ambitious and original maps program yet
2: nothing fucking out there like it if you want to know more information about it you go to the mind pump show facebook we did a facebook live and we covered pretty much
3: everything you need to. we
1: talk about the whole thing you can learn all about it it is launching friday you will get access to it now when this airs it should be uh available to the forum as well uh early so if you want early access and an additional discount become a member of the forum otherwise look out for it friday maps prime coming at you make sure you get it early free t-shirts coming with it it's coming in hot you'll baby. find it at mindpumpmedia.com if you want to pump your body and expand your mind there's only one place to go mind pump, mind pump. with your hosts sal de stefano adam schaefer and justin andrews hey mind pump listeners you're gonna hear us interview a very interesting fellow one of the leaders of, uh, kind of motherfucking a motherfucking man, yeah. Of a, of a movement uh, in the fitness industry, it's Aubrey Marcus, the founder of On It, probably one of the one supplement companies we don't talk crap about. Yeah, uh, one of the very few. Yeah. So uh, we talked to him about business, but then we talked to him a lot about personal stuff. Very interesting episode. Got into up. some of his uh, ayahuasca experiences. Ayahuasca yeah. experiences. His his uh, philosophy on open relationships. A little bit of fitness stuff thrown in there. You can go to his website, onit.com, or you can listen to his podcast. He actually hosts a podcast called the Aubrey Marcus Podcast. So, here we go. I want to hear the
3: origin story. Okay. Yeah, Yay. I want to hear how this... Story, because uh, on our show, we talk so much crap about the supplement industry and the fitness industry. And since the beginning, uh, Onit kind of stood out to us as a company that we respected because of the direction you guys go. And you're not like the typical bodybuilding supplements you're not the typical you know bullshit type of stuff and so i'm interested to know what 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 got you to start on it what's the
2: origin can can i get him to i don't want him to start too like too fast forward can i get you to go further back to like because i don't know much about uh your childhood and upbringing Mm -hmm. too so that's i'm i'm curious about that where that started and what drove you to be the man you are today and then and then on it
4: i think the uh you know the origin story of on and all that kind of ties in because you know my stepmother was uh Kind of the nutritional doctor for all of Pat Riley's teams, and I was a huge basketball basketball player. So it was the Lakers in the '80s, it was the Knicks in the '90s, the Heat in the 2000s. But anyways, growing up, you know, I was I was always playing ball and you know doing well in school, doing what I could, and every time I would have a game. I would get a stack of supplements that would be laid out on a napkin or a paper towel, and I wouldn't know what the hell they were. I would just know that, that oh, this is game day, so I'm going to take this paper towel wow. full of supplements, and I could tell a noticeable difference versus like a practice day or, or your regular day. And on test day, I didn't know what supplements I was taking either, but I knew that they were a different set of supplements, different shapes, different color vitamins, and you know, different kind of preparation for that. And so I got used to that paradigm of taking things and doing things that would improve my performance in specific things. And I think that early conditioning got me used to that idea like, okay, input equals output. There's things that I can do, ways that I can prepare myself that's going to yield a better performance. And that always stuck with me. And that was something that I continued to apply through my life, whatever I was doing, even in you know, even in a social setting, even in a party setting. Like, how do I prepare to rage all night at the <laughs> club? Like, what is the best thing I can do. And then how is the best way, you know, what is the best way I can recover? And, you know, that was part of the On It Origin story as well is like coming up with nutrient combinations Ooh. that helped you recover from when you were exhausted, whether it was from partying or working or overtraining, and then transition that. Um, when I got with Joe Rogan, our, our, our partner in this, in this beautiful project mm-hmm. we have here and asked him, you know, all right, Joe, what do you think you would like to take the most? And he said, I would love a nootropic. And I said, all right, We'll get to work and we'll make the best nootropic we possibly can, combining the research, the access that we had to the athletes and doctors and all the knowledge that I had gained from that paper towel of supplements that I used to take that eventually I started to learn what they were when I got to be an adult because I couldn't just stop by my stepmom's house and get the paper towel. <laughs> yeah, eventually Mom. I had to wipe my own ass, you know, and <laughs> and figure out the supplements on my own and, um, you know that all together and, and that launched alpha brain and really with alpha brain i think was the start of mm-hmm. uh, of on its true origin story. so
3: that was your first may product was uh, alpha <clears throat> Brain.
4: we flirted around with some like party recovery supplements mm. you know just kind of basically <laughs> making uh doing something that that would be convenient for myself like things instead of when I'm all hung over taking nine different bottles of supplements, which I was oftentimes too lazy to do, I was like, man, I'd really love if this was just in one pill and I could take it. And so it was, you know, in some ways born out of that necessity. Um, but really, you know, as again, you know, me kind of growing up through my journey, that kind of party lifestyle was more indicative of me being unhappy with what I was doing as, you know, professionally. So as I transitioned to being more enthusiastic, of course, then Alpha Brain became the ideal supplement for myself uh, as well, and something that could fuel my focus and mental capacity rather than just help me recover from a night of ridiculous debauchery. And that was
3: like five, six years ago.
4: That was t- July 2011. We launched Alpha. Wow!
3: Brain. So that pretty. I mean, great foresight, right? Because at that time, nootropics were kind of this underground. It wasn't like this. Thing that athletes were using you had some
2: pre-limitless
3: that's what I always tell people <laughs> yeah, right.
2: yeah. Right. it right. was after that movie everybody was interested but before right. that man you you had to be kind of ahead of the game to be already and
3: along. you were you were you were kind of marketing it towards athletes at that time and I don't think nootropics really were really marketed to athletes which is kind of well, we fascinating were, we were marketing it
4: towards anybody who was trying to improve performance and athletes in particular have more on the line I mean like you you athletes term loosely because we were re- really actually targeting like poker players and you know it's kind of a lot of more of the mental athletes as well as some mm. of the other um, you know more traditional physical athletes um, but that just kind of gravitated towards our product but anybody who relied on performance as part of their um, you know part of their success mm. was really kind of our niche and, and too many times supplement companies we're trying to cure a disease condition, which first of all, isn't even legal. You know, you really shouldn't, you really can't, you're not allowed to go out and try and cure diseases with supplements. That's the realm of pharmaceuticals. You know, really what you're supposed to do is help people who are relatively good become great or help people who are healthy become even better. And that's, we just decided that's the reason that I use supplements. And that's what I wanted to focus on is just finding ways to help everyday people improve their performance in dramatic ways and do it with something you could feel. You know, all other times, Too many supplements, it was like you take it, and 90% of what you felt was imagination. You Mm -hmm. know, like, I think it's good for me. I heard it was good for me. They're saying (laughs) it's good for me, but you didn't feel shit.
3: Well, you guys funded a double-blind placebo-controlled study. Two double-blind placebo on Alpha alpha Brain alone. What did they show? And I'm familiar with one of them. I didn't know there was two of them. Yeah,
4: both of them done by the Boston Center for Memory, both of them backing up the research. So um, one of them was a smaller kind of pilot trial, and then we Mm -hmm. backed a, a larger trial. And, you know, over 60 people um, in the trials combined. And what it showed is improvement in uh, executive function, improvement in focus, improvement in uh, reaction time of the brain, like the brain's ability to receive stimulus and then register that stimulus. We hook people up to an EEG. And we actually even tracked, too, that um, we showed that from the EEG testing versus placebo that alpha brain was effective after the first dose. So, again, that idea is this isn't something you have to take and then two weeks later you imagine you're feeling better. You know, it's something that you can take it and you can feel it. And I think that's been the hallmark of the Onnit supplements is you take it, you notice it and you're like, oh shit, mm-hmm. something's different. And that's really what been kind of the guiding star of most of what we do.
2: When, when Now, when you had this, was this always the vision was just a supplement company? Because you guys are so much more than that. No. So much more than that. Yeah. So did you, did you foresee all the other things that you guys are going on with the Onnit Academy and the mace bells and the kettlebell? Mm-hmm. Like, did you see all that back then or? Well, it's
4: something that I knew from my own life was essential. You can't just there's no magic pills. There's oh, no there's thank no you. limitless pills. Beautiful. There's no there's no yeah. magic bullets, Preach. right? You can't you can't just do one thing and hope to achieve success. Everything is connected. You know, your mind, your your preparation, your body, your your emotional state, your everything goes into it. And supplements are just one piece of that puzzle. So it's like if we're gonna promote something that's really going to help people get from good to great, help people get from okay to good, whatever. Whatever we're trying whatever their goal is, we got to talk about everything and that's where that total human optimization package was born. so what kind of you know fitness routines, what kind of equipment is going to best work with the body to bring out the the maximum potential what kind of nutritional protocol, what kind of mindset programs you know and then even all the way down to personal care you know people don't realize that what you put on your body, gets in your body. You know, your skin is is not this impermeable Tupperware. You know, this is living, breathing, and, and the stuff we put on our body gets in our body.
3: You know, I came to that you conclusion know. not that long ago where I realized, you know, I was paying attention to my nutrition. Then I was paying attention to the, the types of supplements I was taking. And then I'm like, holy shit, look at my hairspray, my gel, my sure. deodorant. like This yeah, is you know, the stuff I put on Yeah, my t- like- my toothpaste. Like, mm-hmm. Why does my toothpaste have chemicals in it that make it sud you know, create bubbles. You know, you, you, you realize that that does nothing to clean your teeth. No, It's just because consumers like to have suds in their mouth when uh-huh. they brush their teeth and it makes yeah. them feel like they're, they're doing a better Sweetie job. Clean. We're, we're, yeah. Which,
2: which, which yeah. where did that evolve? Where did that come from? When you think about it, that's
3: all, consu- <laughs> I think it's consumer driven. People yeah. think they, you know, they want something. They, they, they associate suds with cleaning. Like you wash your hands and it gets bubbles and you're like, yeah. Oh, it's getting so, cleaner. Sodium, lauryl sulfate. Yeah. So they things. put this in there. So you get these bubbles in your mouth and in reality, you just brush your teeth with water or baking soda and you're probably just as fine. Good to go. Yeah. Well, so your personal, uh, you know, you have this personal drive for kind of self exploration, and that's what drove you to start on it. And then it sounds like you wanted to help people with it, but your your drive for self exploration didn't stop or, or doesn't end with with supplements. I've heard you under the podcast talk quite a bit about um, using things like ayahuasca and learning things about yourself through that. And it seems like that's just an extension of uh, almost sure. an extension of on it and what you're doing. I mean. Well,
4: I think on it plays a key part in the role because the first thing you got to pay attention to is the body. You know, like this is our home. Right, and we got to shore that. We got to shore that up because you look at any animal, and I think sometimes we fail to look at ourselves like an animal. We think, oh, we're a person, and our mind is everything. Like we're an animal, and things are going to be coming up from the body that are going to translate into thoughts and translate into different ways we perceive the world. I mean, you go up to a tiger that's well-fed and healthy. There's a good chance he might want to play. It's a good chance he might want to hang out. You know, you go up to a tiger that's sick and and hungry and exhausted. You know, that tiger's going to fuck you up. You know, <laughs> like he doesn't give a shit about you. Like, and, and that's the way people are. When people are sick and exhausted and tired and their body isn't right, they don't give a shit about the world. They don't care about other people. They're not going to look at another person who's saying something shitty to them as, as them living a different life. They're not going to come from a compassionate place. They're not going to take the steps to make this a better game that we can all mutually play together. They're just going to look out for themselves. We get very myopic when we're not well. And so, on it, you know, the goal of on it is to get people to a state where their body is thriving. And if their body is thriving, then you can start working on their consciousness. Then you can start working on spirituality. You know, honing in your emotional states and different practices. So the there. body's like the bottom; it's the bottom. Start level, with that, like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You got to take care of the body first. And and of course, a lot of people want to be of service to the world. You know, but in order to be of service, you got to be fit for service. And part of being fit for service is to making sure that your body. Is also fit for service.
3: So the evolution of that is body, and then you go to mind, and then spirit, mm-hmm. and then take it from there.
2: So, yeah. some, something we we talk a lot about is you know, we're, th- we're three kind of meathead looking guys, but we all have different backgrounds in fitness. And one of the I things- don't know you kind of got that Game of Thrones vibe. <laughs> kind of, that Jason <laughs> that's just right now, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's just right now. Normally, there's a baby face going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, oh, he's, a, he's a meathead. That's just me trying to toughen my look up right now. Uh, but one of the things that we try and uh, preach all day long on our show is just that people want to put us in a box, man. They want everybody to be in this box of like, oh, you're in this camp, so you you do only do this. Or, oh, you do this. Or, oh, you do that. And one of the things that always turned me on about your company was you guys were introducing things like the Mace Bell and kettlebells and tools like this. They've been around forever and here i 'm a bodybuilder right so i 'm supposed to lift a certain way i 'm supposed to go over and use all these machine exercises and do finisher moves and do all this bullshit exercises that all bodybuilders do and I was always this, always looked at really weird because i 'd be using kettlebells and and tool Indian clubs and tools like this. And what led you to, down that path to start utilizing tools that have been around forever like that why aren 't you just using dumbbells and basic basic tools out there?
4: you know honestly, that came from my exposure to really high level athletes in in, in really dynamic sports. So one of my best friends was Bodie Miller, who's an Olympic skier. And um, and then also was friends with a lot of MMA fighters. And watching the type of training they did, I mean, nothing in those sports is linear. You know, everything, you're, you're adapting to terrain, you're adapting to conditions. And to just do, to go to the gym and just for Bodie to just do squats and lunges like, not going to be enough. For a fighter to just do bench press and pull-ups, not going to be enough. So they started to be kind of the innovators and early adapters to these movement patterns. And so, you know, the kettlebells were starting to creep in. But then we looked a little deeper and saw that, all right, well, people have been solving this problem for a long time. And then the Persian Pelwani elite and some of the elite warriors from our past developed like mace training, which they called gada, and then the Indian club training, which were the heavy wooden clubs at that point. And they were doing that to overtrain movements that they were using in battle, these kind of rotational circular movements, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's really what we're using more often than not in any kind of dynamic sport and it also works with the body a lot better. You know, it's not overloading certain systems and then causing others to compensate and creating these really structurally funny, but aesthetically pleasing conditions within the body. So you know, just following that path to its fruition and knowing that everything has a place. There is a, there is a place for barbells and the heavy weights and, and stacking on and getting to maximum load. And then there is a plate for completely restorative kind of myofascial and, and durability training. And then there's that place for those bridges in between where you're doing mace 360s and working the shoulder girdle and your intercostals and getting everything to work together. And of course, then other disciplines like yoga and all of these things filling in the gap So that you could create an optionally functioning human.
2: Well, you say that so nonchalant, but don't you feel like nobody else is really giving this message, (laughs) right? I mean, this is this is. I mean, if you (sighs) if you were to listen to our show, you would know that we we feel so alone in this uh, in the fitness industry that no one is like that. You guys are probably the only other company I could think of that really. I've been
5: using Indian clubs for a long
3: time, and I think you're the first company that has really highlighted that as is a valid tool. That I was teaching clients a long time ago so and you're not just, just married that. to that right yeah yeah exactly yeah I think what's interesting is uh, and we're starting to see this now with uh, a lot of different markets but fitness uh, health and wellness is doing this now is you know we moved away from what was old into what was new and now what was old is new again we're going back and we're revisiting you know you talk about we we're, we're we're just animals right and yeah. which is it's it's so fucking true I mean uh, we I've talked about this in the past like We think we're so complex and so smart, um, but look at the clothes we wear. Look at the shit we do. Look at women wearing high heels and and makeup, and look at the the way we comb our hair. Like those are all driven by animal instincts. And uh, some of these ancient cultures, the way they've just they've developed some of these exercise techniques and movements, they didn't have the science to explain why they work so well. Uh, We do now, but we see why they work so well. Like yoga. Yoga is very, very, very old. I can't think of one particular discipline that builds functional flexibility quite as well as yoga. Now, if you combine a bunch of different things, you can kind of get there. Mm -hmm. But by itself, I can't think of anything that does as good of a job as making you strong within ranges of motion like yoga does, and yoga is old as hell. Yeah, you know these. Uh, you're talking about these clubs, Indian clubs. Um, there's some pictures of some Indian wrestlers. Old. This is back in the 1800s yeah.
4: and before. 13th century, it goes back to
3: where these guys were working out with with these devices, doing these movements that they they weren't they didn't know like this is deltoid and tricep, and I'm working within this VO2 max, it's like. We've done this now for thousands of years. It works. And when I do this, I can kick another guy's ass and I'm in better shape. Well,
2: even Mm -hmm. then though, the people, the people now that are in the, they're in a camp though, still, that's what drives me crazy. Like how often do you meet somebody who's into yoga but then also deadlifts three, 400 pounds, you know what I'm saying? Or how often do you meet somebody that's all into Indian clubs and they're, they're out using an amazing, you know what I'm saying? it' yeah. well, I feel I like, think,
4: I think people fall into the trap of, of using certain identity to shit on other people, you know? And, and it's, and it's this weird thing. It doesn't matter if it's veganism mm-hmm. or, Uh, you know unconventional club and kettlebell training or barbell training it's like this is my thing and everything else sucks because i'm better than you and that's all just tribalism it's all just games of the ego yeah it's a form of tribe it's the dark side of tribalism right where you identify with a certain group and then shit on everybody else and that's nonsense you know and i think one of the strengths of on it is to be inclusive to say no matter what is out there you know we'll look at the strengths and we'll appreciate those and say man you guys are doing this really good and, you know, what about this other stuff? Mm. This other stuff's really good too. And and with that attitude, um, I think you get the, you get the best results and you also, you know, start to build bridges between these different camps where the truth lies. The truth lies that there's good in everything. There's good in CrossFit. There's good in bodybuilding. There's good in unconventional training. There's good in all these things. There's weaknesses in all these things. Let's try and, you know, harness as many strengths as we can. Let's try to eliminate as many weaknesses as we can. And then create the most well-rounded picture that we can build were
3: We're, you were you into fitness before you did all this you were you were saying uh yeah i've been an athlete in a very
4: variety of ways my whole life okay never great enough at anything to be to be like known
3: but good enough at most things so were you educated in fitness as well
4: through just, you know, the performance training that I had to do, you Think know, everything so. was very, very functionally based. Like if I want to increase my vertical jump, all right, these are the plyometrics that are necessary for this. If I need to increase speed, quickness, whatever attribute, strength, you know, and working with really talented trainers and then training beyond the point that I was competing with <clears throat> elite athletes who were doing that for a living mm. and then figuring out, oh, so why are you doing this? What's your warm up routine? All right, why are you doing this? Okay, here we go. I remember... Going out, like particularly to use Bodhi again as an example. Like going to Bodhi for a park workout sounds like fun. It's like, hey, you want to go to the park and work out? And then I'm doing lateral jumps over a fucking picnic table. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what the hell am oh, I yeah. doing? was, I didn't even know I could do this. You know, and, and so that's you know, that's the kind of the way that I expose myself to a lot of it. And then, you know, then tried to back it up with some of the book smarts. But I always rely on, you know, the experts who are who are better than that at me to to educate me and them you know, just try to put myself in perpetual student mode and always just learning and trying and, um, and seeing what works best.
2: Where does that come from for you? Where's your philosophy come from? Where does that open-mindedness come from? Where does it stem from?
4: I think it's just a a real desire to, to track the truth. You know, like I I don't have like a vested interest. There's nothing I need to defend. I'm, I'm just fairly comfortable with, um, fairly comfortable with not having to to prove anything, to make myself feel better or worse. I just want to find out what's best. I just that's want to find that's what's so
2: true. rare there. Do you attribute it to like your parents <laughs> or friendships or relationships? Did you have something traumatic? I mean, has it always been that way for you?
4: In some ways, in some ways, truth was something that I had a very hard time of like avoiding. Like I couldn't, I couldn't deny it. Some, some, for some way it was like, you know, some people can listen to an instrument and know when it's out of tune you know like a, a great musician can listen to a flute and be like oh man it sounds like there's a crack in there or play a piano and be like oh yeah the whatever the levers need to be tightened you know, i can't do that i have no idea i can't hear music that way you could play this the worst out of tune guitar and I'd be like man gypsy kings amazing <laughs> you know like i don't know but but with truth i always had a knack for for figuring out what was what was real and what was not real and i think that was help I and i would try and i'd play games with myself and deny it but i think that's where you know some of the plant medicine and some of the practices like flotation and different meditation different things allowing myself to empty out the contents of the of the identity and and access myself and as as a being of consciousness that really helps with all that because then you realize what you are and then you have much less to defend
3: do you find do you find that wanting to search for truth because I can identify with that um, with that that sentiment and that feeling? But I find just speaking personally that sometimes it almost feels almost like a burden, because um, you see people walking around and they they seem to be content. And I, I always feel like I'm trying to search for something, and I need to do these different things to find, to test myself, to learn more. And it's um, it's never ending. I don't think it ever does end, right? It never will end. No. Um, do you ever find yourself saying like, God, this is it's exhausting, constantly <laughs> be looking, you know, and searching and.
4: Yeah, I I think so. And I think then also you have to realize that the game is the search. And I think when you get too goal focused and be like, oh, when I figure this thing out, everything's going to be great. Or when my company gets to this level, it'll be great. Or when I can achieve this physical thing, it'll be great. And then you're not enjoying the present. You've really lost the game Hmm. because all there is, is the ride there. All there is, is the journey. Like winning is not about getting to some point. It's about enjoying the process of going for your win. Like that's the, that's the only key part of it. And I think reframing that is really key. And that's, that eliminates so much of the the discomfort of the situation. Just know that being on the path is, is exactly the state that you will always be in. You're never going to, everything is a false summit. There is no actual summit. As soon as you achieve a goal, you're going to be working towards the next goal.
3: Hmm. It, it feels sometimes like, you know, you're trying to get away from ego and sometimes you end up moving towards it. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to be more... I'm going to learn these things and become more spiritual, but then I'm oh shit! Now I'm identifying with that, and now that's who I think I am. It's and
4: sticky. There's traps everywhere.
3: That's 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 how yeah. powerful ego is. I was just going to ask you, someone who is
2: so self-aware. I mean, what what are your demons? What are the what are the things that you, that get you in that trap? Or what, Man, we same, all
4: same as everybody. You know, yeah. we all these. Me personally, I think. Um, you know, I think one of the things is we play all these games like this. This is like a grand, the grand game, but we play games within the games. Like we have these goals, we have these things that we're pushing towards. And, and part of one of the traps we can fall in is playing it like it's life or death. You know, like everything that happens, you make a, you make a post, you say something, your reaction, you get all wrapped up into that, into, into the expression of what's happening or the success or failure, you're attached to so many things. Um, And I think that's the biggest challenge for me is to just clean the attachments that I have to know that. You know, doing my best, going out there, laying it out there, and fuck the consequences, fuck the, what the outcome of what happens. You know, just do what I can do, enjoy the process of doing it, and enjoy the results, no matter what happens. And I think that's the that's the thing because it's easy to look at it, life or death. It's easy to look at the success of on it as life or death, or the success with, you know, a girl, or the success with this take everything like it's going to be life or death, but there isn't anything that's life or death, even life or death, you know, based on my own personal spiritual experiences, isn't life or death. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's something that exists and survives beyond death. So nothing is life or death. So relax, like have some faith, you know, enjoy the process and, and just take some of that stress off. And if I look back at and give advice to my younger self, it'd be exactly that, you know, like, take like enjoy it like it's okay it's okay (laughs) and that's the thing we're all practically batting a thousand you know like we're here we're we're healthy enough things are everything that bad that happened we can look back and say you know i'm actually grateful for that because it taught me this thing we're like batting a thousand except when we look at the future we're looking at it like we're striking out left and right you know what i mean like, and so just Great reframing, reframing that and being like,
3: especially when you compare yourself to others, you know, that's yeah. one of the worst. Sure. Things. That's uh, an unwinnable game. As, as the, as on it started growing, did you have any moments where that was really challenging for you? Like I know for us, like as we started growing our show and then you get your first like hater or your first person that's criticizing you and you're like, fuck, you know, my God, this person. Like, <laughs> especially when they suck. attacked you. That's something and that you're, really ve- you're like very me. proud of like that, yeah, you know? Totally. Yeah. 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 Did anything like that happen to you?
4: Of course. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'd never experienced when you're, when you're small enough, you don't really get a lot of haters cause they would have to really come knock on your door <laughs> yeah. and be a shithead. And that's, un, that's really rare. Um, so, but when you get to on a bigger platform, then they come out. I mean, I remember when I launched, uh, with, with Rogan, I mean, there was a lot, a lot of hype and a lot of buildup and I was doing a lot of podcasts and, um, you know, I was foolish in some ways. i I was being a jackass in some ways, and you know they latched on to a few of these things, created a lot on their own as well. But there was like whole websites dedicating to shitting on me. And I
3: was no like,
5: way! What the what hell were they saying? Say? Yeah.
4: Oh, what? Aubrey Marcus has been a f- fraudster his whole life. blah oh, blah. Bothers- so some of it was just total nonsense, and some of it was like, look at this fucking asshole thing he said on this posts and this thing. And, and there was, you know, I was um, reacting emotionally sometimes. So a lot of what people were pointing out was real. And then sometimes the momentum of it and would just piling on and they were creating, creating things out of nothing as well. But that whole thing really, really shook me. I mean, I was like really shook because I wasn't used to that, nor was I expecting that. So on one hand, we had this great success. On the other hand, There were people who hated me, who didn't know me, who were saying things that were completely unjust. And, you know, and for me, someone who who knows truth, like I know when I fucked up and I fuck up all the time. But I also know when someone's saying some shit that's really fucking wrong. And that was like getting me mad. I was like, "You're fucking wrong." (laughs) Like, I get it when I'm wrong. I'm the first to kick my own ass. Like, trust me. You know, if you're saying something within the boundaries of the amount of ass that I kick on myself, like, all good. Right. (laughs) But you're making shit up here, and that would and that pissed me off at first. And you know, again, man, I keep bringing up Bodhi, but he was really essential in that in that initial stage. He was also the first investor in the company. But I went to him, and he had a he had a a case of that in the Torino Olympics, where he was on like the cover of time magazine. He was supposed to win all these medals and uh, the press saw him out partying and drinking, which is what Bodhi did before all the races. So it wasn't anything unusual, but the idea that you're supposed to prepare for the Olympics in a certain take way and take it super serious, seriously. Yeah. He's like, fuck that. I'm in Italy. I'm in the <laughs> Olympic awesome. village. Like I'm only going yeah, <laughs> to I'm I'm do what I always Excuse do. And so the combination of him not winning and because he. Oh, they blame he, he, it on that. They blamed it on that, right? And Bodhi usually either wins or crashes. And it just happened at this Olympic Games, despite his world championships and the subsequent gold medals. He crashed in this Olympics rather than won. And so. His rating, I guess they, the the agencies keep track of this. His rating was actually the lowest rating of any athlete, even lower than O.J. Simpson after he no presumably killed, oh, shit. killed his wife. And so he was getting That'll
5: fuck you up right he was, there. He was getting like
4: death threats. Shit. He was getting like wow. so much hate, like male, like actual male. Wow. <laughs> me. And so, you know, when I was talking to him about it, you know, he's he'd been through the other side and he said, "Look, man, you cannot allow anybody else to judge your performance, good or bad, you know, like no matter what you did, you are the only person who knows how much work you put in, how much effort you did and what you actually did. Like, don't let anybody kick your tires and make that important. Don't let anybody tell you something bad that you did and value that as important. Take it all as data. All it is is data, but you're the only judge, you know, and you have to focus on that. It's great advice. It's so
3: hard to practice though, man, when Uh, you're on the receiving end of that, especially when you've got people on social media or you see reviews or whatever. I mean, that could fuck with you big time. Yeah. Is that, it, did when did plant medicine come in? Is it right around that time where you were starting to discover that? I've been on the plant medicine path since earlier. You know, I okay. did a vision quest
4: when I was like 18. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and went off in the mountains in New Mexico. And um, that was really, really powerful. That really opened me up to a whole nother spiritual dimension where I felt my body evaporate and something else exist. And I was like, oh, well, there's something else besides this.
3: And that was your first time experiencing anything like that? it was. Wow. Yeah. So then that
4: that kind of set me off in a different path and that's another beautiful way and it's been a way to kind of recalibrate myself and it's a way to escape from the identity to access myself as consciousness as something beyond this physical body beyond this mind the thinker behind the thoughts the you know the force that is animating this life not the life itself and and identifying as that is a great other way to escape from you know the hate and the uh, the identification and the attachment to your image and what you're doing. Just understand that you know your consciousness and you're playing in this human avatar in this amazing game board that we have to play. But your consciousness and and that's and that's really who you are and that's enough and now, that's and that's worthy of love.
3: Now you call it medicine. What is it treating? What are you using it to treat? Because medicine is very different. When you know when <clears throat> people use the term medicine, it's like I'm taking this because it's doing something for this particular ailment or issue and i'm treating this one particular thing what is it what is that what is it doing why is it called medicine why because i've heard people refer to it as medicine i've heard other people refer to it as ayahuasca or mm-hmm. you know or drugs or, or drugs or whatever yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> why do you call it medicine
4: uh, because it's been medicinal you know and, and i think Right now we're in an interesting time because the clinical research has shown actual medicinal properties. Totally, and and there's a recent study that just came out on on depression for use of psilocybin and anxiety studies and palliative care, mm-hmm. end of life care. Um, social anxiety was another great study that just came out studying MDMA mm-hmm. and uh, and psilocybin. So we're actually proving actual medical conditions. But in general, you're you're treating. All of the manifestations of the mind, all of the ways that the mind can drive us from suffering, from a state of, of what can be bliss into a state of, of suffering. And, and that's really what it's, what it tends to do. Now, it can also just be a fun ride, and it can also uh, be challenging. It's not for everybody. It's not a panacea. But when used with the right intention, with the right uh, the right person, the right time, the right intention, it can be incredibly powerful.
2: Now, someone who's around it a lot. Do you feel like a lot of people abuse it, or do you think for the most? Because I feel like if you're going to do ayahuasca, I feel like you're not like a real drug seeker. You are normally seeking for... ayahuasca is miserable to do.
4: Like, <laughs> know, like, the show me a recreational ayahuasca. <laughs> I'd love to meet that motherfucker. <laughs> you're nauseous, you're, you're these you're, guys. You're either trying, shitting or yeah. puking. We were yeah. supposed to be going you're, this weekend. They keep actually. trying to sell me on it. Yeah. i was just like you're oh my confronting. God. You know, you're confronting your deepest fears and your demons. I mean, the first time I did it, I was like. I had insects in my vision, insects crawling in my eyes and exploding out of my face. I had eels crawling <laughs> like swimming up from the water and burrowing into my stomach and thrashing around in my intestines and bursting out of my chest. I had I was sliding down a vine of thorns naked and then ayahuasca told me I had cancer. It sounds and it was awesome. like that was like the <laughs> oh, first shit. that was like the first 4 hours Fucking of just sound. dealing with everything all of the worst parts but then you confront these fears and then you move past these fears and again like in any good stoic philosophy the resistance becomes assistance the obstacle becomes the way by confronting these fears surrendering to them, moving past them then you master them to a certain degree and you continue that process mastering deeper and deeper fears uncovering different things and there therein lies the process of growth how many times i know you've done it
2: quite a few times how many got under your belt now uh, 17, 17. Yeah. And each time do you feel like you get something new?
4: A hundred percent. No, wow. no two are the same. And, and, you know, I've worked with shamans who've done it thousands of times and, and they still, every time is new. Every time is different because we're always different. You know, there's one of my favorite quotes is from Heraclitus and it says, um, no man steps in the same river twice because it's not the same man and it's not the same river. Like our self, we, we, we tend to think of ourself as one thing. Ourself as a million things. You know, the self after you have a giant barbecue is different than the self after you have a salad. The self when you wake up rested versus the self when you wake up exhausted. All of these are different variations and permutations of the self, the memories, the change of the actual, you know, physical composition of the brain and everything that's going on, the neurochemicals that are firing that day. We're a bunch of different selves. And, and I think, you know, recognizing that is essential, you know, in really understanding who we are, that we're always evolving. We're always changing. And so when you take a medicine, it's going to be interacting with you in that particular condition, whatever your fears are, whatever things that are going on, it's not going to be the same ride every time.
3: Now, are you afraid that because, you know, you've got people like you talking about it and you've got other, uh, you know, personalities talking about using things like Ayahuasca, um, even, you know, LSD, um, are you afraid that because it's getting more popular that the people are going to start using it for the wrong reasons or people are going to have the wrong idea uh, of using these substances? Because like you said, it's miserable. Or do you care? Or do you care? <laughs> I, well, I feel I feel like there'll be some people listening who are going to be, are, oh, I want to do that. And then it's, it's like, it's going to scare them or it's the wrong thing. Uh, I mean, is there any any thought of that? Or
4: Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely caution people that, you know, don't go running to this thinking it's going to be a, a fun game or a panacea. Like you should come to it ready and and sober and earnest and humble and, uh, and just ready to learn. And if, if you come with that attitude and what's with the right person, mm-hmm. you know, I think it can be a very powerful experience, but um, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be some, if this gets extremely popular, there's going to be some, you know, some downside, you know, if it's just, just part of life. Like we accept it. I mean, there's, tens of thousands of pharmaceutical deaths you know it doesn't stop people from releasing pharmaceuticals because at the core they have the potential to help Now, some maybe don't but you know as as like a as a general idea the idea is that these are going to help some people they're going to hurt some people you know and i think but it's funny like you'll have one case of someone getting hurt from psychedelics and everybody freaks out mm-hmm. and i think it's just you know, we push away that which we're afraid of. And we're afraid of our own demons. We're afraid of uncovering our true self. We're afraid of that mirror being held up that we can't look away from that shows us, you know, our true nature. That's terrifying. Terrifying for most people.
3: That's got to be the scariest thing.
4: And and we're all, we're addicted to control. You know, Mm. we think we're in control, even though we never are. You know, we think we have everything all figured out and I'm going to be in control and I know best. And, and this is teaching you surrender because you have no other fucking choice but to surrender.
3: So do you think we're do you think that we're controlling what happens to us in the future or do you think we're reacting to what's supposed to happen? Depends.
4: And I think that's
3: or that's, is it different? Or does it even matter? It matters. Because mm. I think the
4: game is the game is only fun when we have choice. You know, otherwise we're playing out a movie, you know, or somebody else's movie and or being played by another game. I think we're here to access as much choice as we can, but in order to have free will, we have to step back to the consciousness level. We have to be the thinker behind the thoughts, not the thoughts themselves. We have to be the person behind the emotions, not the emotions themselves. And if we're not, then we're going to be driven by our own fears and greeds. And we're basically going to be a robot, you know? And I think um, the way that the game is the most fun is when we can step back and then really have all of our options available and decide, all right, I want to play this game. I want to play this game. You know, maybe I do want to play the role in real slow in my Bugatti with my fucking you blow on and just balling out of control but know that that's a game maybe i want to play that not that i'm compelled to do that because i need to shit on these people who doubted me and thought i was never good enough or maybe you just want to play that game or maybe you want to play the you know put on the robes and go hang out in a monastery and not talk to anybody for a month maybe you want to play that game but but be able to do it as a choice not as some desperation that we need you know go to the gym because you want to go to the gym not because you're compelled you know, that you have to, because you need to be better than this person who's now fucking your ex girlfriend, you know, <laughs> like, oh, like, like just yeah. re harness the ability to choose what we want
2: in life. Now, what it, what's it like being someone like you meeting a partner? How hard is it to meet somebody who has s- similar views, uh, was a female that thinks like this. And I got to ask you some, cause I've, I've heard rumors and I want to know the truth from you, like as far as an open relationship and what that's like. and, you know, tell me a little bit about what your journey on that. Have you always been like that? Did you become more comfortable with yourself through all these experiences? Yeah. Sure.
4: I mean, again, I, you know, I know truth and I know when it's bullshit. And I think to me, it always felt like bullshit that, um, that someone should have the, the complete and exclusive right to your pleasure in certain parts of your body. Like what? Like I surrender all rights to pleasure to you and nobody else can do it. Like that's, Seems ridiculous. Well, when
3: me. you put it that way, sure. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> you know, right? Like
4: if you had a if you had a friend, if you
2: had a friend, you got to you know, share some conversations yeah. that you've had with Pratt's g- girlfriends. That sure, <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm, yeah, I'm happy to get into. This. Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> so like, if you had a friend who had, a, had an amazing restaurant, and you just love that restaurant, right? and then you went out to eat somewhere else, if that friend came to you and was like, what the fuck, man? How dare you go to that fucking Indian food place? Fuck that. You know, I said the best fucking food in the world. You're only going to eat for me. You'd be like, whoa, whoa, dude. Like, chill the fuck out. Like, I just ate wrong? there once, what dude. What is wrong with you? I'm
2: still going to eat at your spot. Yeah. You know, so all appetites- it's Still all, my favorite yeah, spot. Exactly.
4: <laughs> mm. All appetites, we have an understanding that we like variety. We like to. We like to, to, you know, for these appetites with a variety of different things. And we understand that except sex has been put in this taboo box and big time. and And it's so odd. It's just, it's an appetite like other things. And it's an appetite that has, you know, some, some legitimate consequences. So I can understand there's some rationale for treating it slightly different than eating a meal somewhere. I mean, pregnancy <laughs> is a little longer lasting than food poisoning. <laughs> yeah,
2: But nonetheless, it's, it's, Great analogy I to want a shirt that says that yeah.
4: <laughs> it's the same, it's the same thing. And I think we've been told all of these stories of possession and these stories of, you know, if you're with the right one, that's the only one you'll love, except everybody knows it's bullshit. Cause every time, you know, a married person gets around his boys, they're talking about other girls. Every time a married girl gets around. You know, their girlfriends are talking about how hot the waiter is or their trainer is. Like we know it, but we're deluding ourselves into thinking that we're something else. I think it's just an acknowledgement of our our innate nature. And I think Sex at Dawn really helped with that. That's a book by Dr. Chris Ryan. And going back to kind of the tribal roots of sexuality and realizing that it wasn't always like this. Like humans didn't always need to be like this. And and he has a lot of great examples.
3: Well, the evidence, you know, what's kind of fucked up. And it's only fucked up because it's challenging to think this way, right? Because we're, we're in a society, we're raised a certain way. We, the agricultural revolution is probably what uh, prompted us to possess, uh, you know, our women and possess sure. each other. Um, but if you look at the evidence, I mean, very few mammals actually have sex when they can't get pregnant. We're one of them. Like women have sex when they can't get pregnant. Uh, most mammals go into heat. Um, the male uh, penis on humans is massive compared to other primates. We have this big dick and it's designed to displace other men's semen. We were probably doing a lot of fucking well, you probably evolved having sex with everybody all the time. <laughs> yeah. even, you know, and it's fucked up, but that's the evidence, right?
4: 100%. And even things like, you know, they call it female uh, copulatory vocalization, the fact that women are louder during sex. It's to let Why other people know. It's to let other people know. Like, oh, I'm ready for sex now. I mean, and these We're men, doing it.
3: Come join in.
4: These men are, you know, one man is definitely not going to last long enough to please me. So I better put the call out. <laughs> uh, yeah.
2: You know what? Is that the
1: theory behind that? Yeah. This yeah. is so much Oh, my
2: God. Between your plunging
4: theory
1: and his fucking stupid. <laughs> <dear it's>, <laughs> you know what's Funny, it's these, these are actually these are
3: actually almost they're like they're they're accepted theories, uh you know, like like what he's saying. If you look at like the female orgasm, it's so much more difficult to achieve, and it's probably because she, like you said, she was having sex with multiple men. I see. Sorry, gentlemen. And also, you know,
4: the, the orgasm also, you know, is, is actually increases the opportunity for increases the chances of pregnancy. It does, you know, and so like the last dude that, is the one that wins. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like, that's, it's all building to. So we have all these clues basically that, that are clues into our genetics, except we're denying them. And I think for me, you know, I just didn't want to do that now. All right. So let's go fast forward. This is all practicum. This is all theory, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I had a monogamous relationship and like most of my, how, monoga- how old are you right here when you're talking about this? It's uh, all 15. 30,
3: 30
4: <laughs> 233. Okay. So So, this is okay. Right. So, and I'd had, I'd had some other experiences where there were some allowances made, like, you know, we could bring in some other girls, but we all had to share it together. And, and, but I was very protective of my girl because before I read sex at dawn, I thought we were more like lions. Like it was a state of nature for one man to have multiple women and protect those women to the death. This kind of, other mammalian, you know. Of course, mindset. we want to think that because we're yeah, men. Of course, yeah. but really, we're more like bonobos, where right? yeah. everybody's just fucking that's everybody true. and having a blast. Right. <laughs> and so, I read Sex of Dawn. I was like, man, this is truth. It had that harmonious truth chord in it, and the evidence behind is like, fuck, my head, my thinking is fucked. Uh, so, the direction that we need to go is not for me to have multiple options; is for both of us to have multiple options, and that you know that follows both sexually and that follows with love, and then understanding that if that's the sexual base, and then looking at love like. When a mother has, you know, mother has their first child and loves that child. And then a mother has the second child. Nobody goes to that mom and says, oh man, is it hard loving your first child half as much? Because now you got to share it. Like love is abundant. Love is not in scarcity. You can't cut it like a fucking pie. Mm -hmm. You know, it is infinite. And there's no way that, you know, giving some to one means that you have less for the other. There's time is, you know, time is not infinite but then how much time is wasted when you're resentful and when you're not present and when you're thinking about something else like, so time can be very malleable because time in presence, time in enthusiastic like acknowledgement of another person is so much va- more valuable than the gross nature of time. So I realized like both from a relational standpoint and from a sexual standpoint that being in an open relationship made a lot of sense. So convinced my other very kind of conventional thinking Monogamous partner, Whitney Miller, to give this a go. And it was hell. <laughs> it was hell. So the first thing that happened was I had another lover. And she was like, you know, maybe I'll be okay not having another lover. Well, meanwhile, she was just getting tortured and resentful every time I was with this other person. So then the resentment started to creep in, right? So we knew that she needed to get another lover. And I thought I was going to be cool with it. Philosophically, it made sense. Then she finally did. And then when I found out that yeah, what she was did, that like? she found out that she did Every time I would think about them having sex, I literally froze in my tracks and I wanted to vomit. Like I could not move. And then I would think about a different position. I'd be like, doggy.
2: This
4: happened for days until finally I was like, fuck this. Like I can't handle this. I was actually away on a trip. When that happens, like I can't handle this. I gotta push myself through the deepest part of this fear. You know, similar to ayahuasca. Like, what's the scariest shit I can think of? So I hypothesize this scenario. Where <laughs> oh she was no! Like, why? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I have to. I,
5: like,
4: like I imagine oh, her being like tied up in a stable, and yeah, this fucking cowboy. You know, he's just like he's got a leash on, and, just like, just like feeding her, her pig down.
1: slop. And <laughs>
4: Just <laughs> dicking her everywhere and beating her. Oh my lips God. Like, just
2: some huge yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah.
4: exactly. Maybe. I just so got like turned the Worst scenario possible. And I was like, and then after that, it got so it's bad. Biking. Eventually. Yeah, exactly. You're
0: good at this. <laughs> <I'm
5: sorry>.
4: Next <laughs> yeah, time yeah. someone needs that. Maybe you know I'll, just, I'll write a whole like scene for you. dude. <laughs> maybe they should just ask you to play it out. <laughs> in your head. I will. And, and then it got to the point where it was so ridiculous that I just started laughing. I was like, you know what? If she's having fun, if he's having fun, Fuck it, it's going to be okay, and you know. So that was like the first little mini breakthrough. But really, what it does is it triggers all of these egoic parts of your identity. You feel like you have to be better than everybody who's who's with your girl. Oh, if he's if he's a better fighter, or if he's stronger, if he's you know richer, if he's whatever, it'll trigger your own insecurities in that. And that's just another opportunity to work through just the shit that you have yourself. So to me, you know, the open relationship has become the absolute best thing that i could do to help work on my own ego and my own insecurities
3: nothing will challenge it like that i can't even imagine man. i can't it's even like, think of anything that would challenge like yeah
4: that. i mean plant medicine and open relationship are two of the hardest fucking things to do All oh, you need
3: is rock and roll now
5: <laughs> yes, yeah. drugs and rock and roll. <laughs> yeah totally
4: <laughs> And, uh, and it's been incredibly valuable for both of us because we both had to deal, I'm talking from my perspective, but we both had to deal with that. And really the only way out is consciousness. The only way out is to see, you know, your partner is you living a different life, to see the pleasure coming to her as pleasure coming to you, to to enjoy and appreciate that. And, and there's a word called compersion, which is getting pleasure of some from someone else's pleasure, knowing that, you know, whatever pleasure she feels is good and that's someone you love. So her pleasure is great. And then the person providing that pleasure to her, you know, that's your ally, not your enemy. If you, now, if that person's hurting her, that's your fucking. That's of enemy. course. That's yeah. different. That's your fucking enemy. Unless you want. He's be providing pleasure. Wait, wait. So you're going to say someone who's giving someone you love pleasure is your enemy? Where the fuck is the logic in that? Mm. You know, it doesn't make any sense. That person's your ally. That person's your friend.
2: But really, we have this fear. Our ego gets in the way that we're yep. going to lose her. That she's that he's yep. going to win her over and she's yep. not coming back. And so you. But that's
3: her. but that's also coming from ego. That's you thinking I own her. Yep. Yeah. You right. know, because if she don't want to be with you anymore,
4: and that's not real love. Because if no. you really love her and she chooses that other person. And that's gonna make her more happy. If you really love someone and they're like, me, you know, I would really be more happy with this person. The only response is, yeah, go. Like, totally go. If that's gonna make you more happy, go. You know, that that so everything else is not love. It's all of these mechanisms of control, it's these mechanisms of of ego that are masquerading as love. Like love is just truly wanting the best for that that person that you're with. And so it's you know, redefining love and redefining the that relationship. And I can finally say after years of, you know, some hell and some enjoyment um, that it's really the, the ideal scenario because me and Whitney, there's just zero resentment there now. You know, it's just, we can talk about anything. We can have fun together. We can, we can really, we've gotten to be close friends with each other's um, with each other's lovers, which is nice. Cause I liken it to the analogy of like, when I don't know somebody who's going to be with Whitney, when I don't know him, it's like some random person coming in and taking my favorite car for a test drive. You know, i like, I don't know what they're fucking doing with that car. Like, I don't, I don't trust that person. They could be running and, you know, ramming the curbs. They could be smoking in there. I don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> But like, but when it's your homie and like your homies, then out. And it's like letting your friend borrow which your is, car,
3: which is the exact opposite of what most people like. Most oh, people yeah. would be like, man, if my girl cheated on me, my friend, that'd be the fucking worst thing ever. <laughs> right. But in reality, like you, it sounds. See, I've always
2: been different. I've always told my boys, I, only, I'd be pissed you don't tell me. That's where I'll be pissed. I, I'd be pissed if I find out and you fucking hit it from me. That's what would make me <laughs> yeah, mad. Sure, but you come, yeah, you come to me and
4: you tell me. But if, if they f- thought you were going to beat their ass, that would be more incentive to hide it from you. <laughs> right.
3: right? <Yeah. laughs> yes. It sounds so logical, but gosh, I'll tell you what. If anything <laughs> yeah. is going to prevent... I'll tell you what. it's Jedi status right if, there. If anything Am is going right to prevent that? that type... Because that what you're talking about when it comes to open relationship is really just one piece of a, a philosophy of acceptance, love... Of uh, dissolution of ego, um, it's just one piece of it. But I guarantee you, that's the piece people will focus on to prevent other people from, you know, f- learning the rest of it, which is just which is very important, mm-hmm. which is good stuff. And you talk about having sex with different people, man, people freak out. Like that's the thing people lose their mind the most yeah, about.
4: The th- it's very threatening. You know, like I, I, you talked to Chris Ryan about how many people have burned his books and gotten so mad because the idea that someone might want to have sex with more people is so. Especially women. Yeah. with them. Women might want to yeah. fuck somebody. That's what? a big one.
3: That's a you big know? one. Especially women. Have you read the book A Billion Wicked Thoughts? No. A very interesting book done by these scientists who analyzed over a billion uh, porn searches. And uh, porn searches are interesting because when people are in the heat of the moment, you know, they're jerking off or whatever, they type in what they want to look up and depending on what they click on or whatever, that tells you a lot more about people than surveys because in the past, we had like the Kinsey reports or whatever people, but when people are writing things down, they know someone's going to read them. It's totally different than when people type in a porn search and uh, what they find is that sexuality is uh, it's a lot more interesting than you think. Way more diverse than we think. Way yeah. more well, diverse, way more interesting. One of the cues, this was an interesting one, I brought this up before, but one of the cues for male arousal, straight male arousal, actually one of the number one cues is another penis. People don't realize this. Another penis is a is an arousal for straight males and they call it the competition this came queue. from that book mm-hmm. came from that book did you say
2: that and I feel like I don't think I ever searched big penises ever on the, no on
3: you don't but let me ask you <laughs> this but let me ask you this have you dick. ever but let me ask you this when you go to your top searches on Pornhub or whatever is one of the top searches uh, women getting fucked by big dicks or women getting fucked by small dicks <laughs> nobody watches dudes with small dicks banging chicks you see what I'm saying that's just yeah. awkward though it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's uh, yeah. but it's, that's but it's like an interesting. Anxiety, I feel bad
4: there's a them. whole lot of cunniling yeah. kind
5: of that could be more like a fantasy
4: thing you want to imagine yourself as the guy with the big dick but but i know what you're saying and and i think that's like since i've been in this open relationship people approach me with a variety of different things and i'll have like people who are just fucking badasses just like studs and they'll like reveal to me like yeah you know secretly my fantasy is to have someone you know fuck my girl I'm like, whoa! Like that's cool. You know, I'm like totally <laughs> I'm embrace down. all of these things. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for and nice it's, it's really interesting. Like that is a that is a factor in sexuality, and I think it has some evolutionary basis. Like the male, male, female. You know, the male, male, female um, threesome is actually, I think, if I'm correct, I think someone told me is actually more popular than the than vice versa because of some some weird dynamics. But everybody's different. You know, I mean, for me, that's not what fires me up but but nonetheless you know for the people who it does fucking great like everybody just needs to relax about their sexuality like whatever gets you turned on as long as it's not hurting somebody and as long as consensual like go for it we're all just pleasure monkeys however your (laughs) however your button is shaped and whatever your button looks like like go ahead like press that thing like the last thing we want to fucking do is evaporate out of this body and look back and be like Man, I had all those buttons, but I would never pushed them.
3: Boy, that would like, be terrifying. What the fuck? You know, yeah. We're
4: gonna think like, oh, what, we're we're winning, we're winning some fucking prize, some gold star. No, we're sacrificing the gold stars that we have right in front of us. All of these things that could be awesome that we're not allowing ourselves to do because of some, you know, ancient archaic archeology you know, ideology. You know, fuck that. Mm. You know, if you have that pleasure button, it's not gonna hurt anybody, push that bitch. You know, that, and see if you like it.
3: That's a very, uh, you know, I use the word evolved because I know some people listening are going to be like, well, that's not evolved. That's what I mean by evolved is to get to that way of thinking. Uh, you had to go through a lot of shedding of what you were raised to believe or what maybe even instinctually you believe a little bit, right? A little bit of that protectionism, a little bit about that, that ownership. Sure. That's a very difficult place to go. And, uh, you know, when you read about uh, couples going in that direction, more often than not, and I wanna, you know, you know, let people know, more often than not, it ends up where the couple breaks up. Very rarely does it strengthen a relationship. I think it takes two people who'd be very, yeah. very evolved in that sense, you know what I'm saying?
4: Yeah, it depends. I mean, I think there's there's going it's going to get harder probably before it gets easier. So if there's you know, if you can't withstand the heat, it's going to, you know, it might cause you to crumble. But maybe that was supposed to crumble anyways. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I mean, I think, I don't think there's that many people who are, and, and everybody tries to put this in different categories. There's, Oh, you're a swinger or, Oh, you're a this or, or right. like, and I think all of the categories and, and identifications are really just nonsense, you know,
2: like even so trying to put you in a box. Again, yeah, like I exactly. Say. Everybody wants exactly. to put you in just, a box.
4: Like, you know, for me, it's just about been following the truth of, that I know about love and the truth that I know about sexuality. And this is the way true to yourself. Real. That's yeah, what it really exactly.
2: is. True to yourself. If you had, the, if you, and that's the thing that I always struggle with. It's like, if i if i have a feeling if i have a desire if i have something that i want to do to not do it because somebody else made a law somebody else made a rule I feel as like I feel like that's worse. As long as you're
3: not hurting anybody, that's what I mean. If it's
2: if it's if it's for something, if it's for me, like to to deny yourself that, that's real. That's the real crime, you know. To 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 take that away from yourself, like you said. I love the analogy of the buttons. You know, you in this, you go like, God, I had all this cool shit I could have done. I wish I would have done that. You know,
4: yeah, Yeah, it's like you're driving in a you're you know playing a video game and you just don't use any of the buttons on your right thumb. No turbo. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) like,
3: what? Yeah, turbo the whole time. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I was just pushing A. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. I was just jumping in place. Yeah. All right. So switching gears. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about. Um, let's talk,
2: let's talk, I want to. I know I got it because uh, we have so much respect for what you're doing. We talk so much shit about all the other people out there doing bad shit. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, we, I, I, I want to hear it's... I want to hear where your where your where your mind is at, um, where we're going with on it. Where do you see the future of this company? I love, I see all the people that you've affiliated yourself with. I I feel like it's that you've fostered this community of lots of great minds in different directions. And it doesn't you don't seem like that company where it's like it's all about on it, only on it. I feel like you have people that are underneath or with affiliated with you guys, but they're still doing their own thing too. Like, mm-hmm. I love the culture that you're creating. Where do you see the future of this company in the next five, 10 years?
4: You know, I just want to stick true to, to being as real and as, as transparent and as, you know, kind of authentic as we can. And just, you know, again, track truth to the best we can, you know, put out the best products. If we say this, if we put out something, you know, and say, it's great that it's actually great and, and make sure that we continue that path of really being of service, you know, I think that's the key thing. Everything is built upon this, this idea of reciprocity. And I think always giving more than we take, um, is, is the key. And so, you know, I'd love to see this thing continue to be something that can support people. And, and, you know, if it grows bigger, which I anticipate that it will great, you know, but I think one thing to, for me to be mindful of is to not push it to grow so fast that we have to make sacrifices. And that can be, um, that can be an impulse that you have like like we got to get this thing to grow, we got to get this thing to grow, but really staying true to just the core principles it's of very,
2: it's very challenging to do when you start to get where you're at. I mean we're, yeah, we're yeah. every time like we're in a growth spurt right now and when you get in this point in your company it's it's really easy to get misguided in different directions, whether it be for money or partnering it's gotta be out.
3: one of the, it's got to be one of the biggest mistakes uh, businesses do when they grow as they grow too fast. you mm-hmm. see that you see evidence of that all the time. I mean in the fitness industry we had And our day, when curves, remember curves, remember that gym train, it just exploded, grew grew way too fast and then crumbled under its own weight. It's gotta be one of the biggest things. This, uh, this type of academy here, this is, is this the only location you have like this where you have the, you say currently. So I was going to ask you, are you looking to open more of these types of brick and mortar type facilities? I
4: think we're just really kind of honing, you know, what the formula is and figuring it out. This is our kind of incubation for that Mm -hmm. idea and then yeah and then making sure that if we produce another one then it meets these standards you know and i think um making sure that whatever we do it's up to the standard and just holding that firm and um you know so i think part of my job is to just constantly be reflecting on that and we're not going to be perfect we're going to fuck up sometimes we have fucked up before i was just going to ask you and then finding ways to like it's like fuck we fucked that up you know, whatever it was, it took my eye off. It didn't see it. We lost uh, we lost our adhesion to this principle and just bring it, make sure to always bring it back and just make sure that the, the core heart of this thing stays, stays in the right place.
2: Does does anything come to mind that you, you tried and you went, okay, I thought that was a good idea. That wasn't such a good idea. It comes to mind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we were,
4: you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, acquiring different traffic sources and um, you know, we kind of let the, the growth hackers kind of have carte blanche to try and figure stuff out. And when, um, we take a look at those pages, you know, some of them, some of them, I didn't like them, you know, and and the customers didn't like them. You know, they didn't look, they didn't look right. You know, they were saying things and enticing people in a salesy way beyond what I felt was authentic, you know, an authentic expression. So, you know, we had to correct that and, and say like, that's not the way. And then email those customers and come out and be like, Hey, y'all all good. You can always get your money back. And that's one thing that we have consistently across. Like we don't play games with the money back guarantee. If anybody wants the money back, you don't even have to send the product back. You know, just let us know, get your money back. Like, cause all of that is games and I don't want to create any kind of parasitic situation with anybody. And so, um, you know, there's little things that'll come up where we'll fuck up, you know, or, you know, I know early on we had a security breach here and we found it internally. We found it internally. And, you know, we very easily could have brushed it under the rug. No one else was ringing any bells, but we saw it internally. Someone had gotten some data. So I just went out and told everybody like, Hey, listen, this is what happened. We had a security breach. I'm so sorry. You guys got to change your cards. If you've ordered from this time to this time and trying to just not, not expecting perfection, knowing that we're going to fuck up, but always being willing to admit it, bring it back in line and, and kind of put it on the, put it on the right path. And you know that's um it's hard it's hard to look at something where you, where you messed up you know where you could have done something better and and um but you ultimately have to just accept that you know accept the lumps and and move on pick yourself back up do the right thing from there and uh, and make sure that you learn from that mistake
3: excellent we we appreciate uh your the the message you're putting forth um uh, with your company in a sea of i mean the fitness industry is just full of you know, shit. we say garbage. Well, say, yeah, it's full yeah shit. just full of. Sh- there's a lot of <laughs> shit. A lot, it, of, a lot of a lot of you know things that go out, making f- people feel worse about themselves, not better about themselves. Uh, things that don't help people will actually hurt people. And you're one of the few companies, and obviously it's led by somebody with a, a philosophy that's a little bit different. We appreciate that. So Thank you. Uh, with that, we'd like to – thanks for coming on our show. Yeah, we yeah really it's been a pleasure.
4: It. Enjoy this conversation. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks R- Great, Listen,
3: if you like Mind Pump, leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. If we like your review and we pick it, you'll win a free Mind Pump t-shirt. Also, don't forget to check us out on Instagram at Mind Pump Radio. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal, Adam at Mind Pump Adam, and Justin at Mind Pump Justin.
5: Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes Maps Anabolic, Maps Performance, and Maps Aesthetic